Hello and welcome just to family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live TV. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. Today we are going to be talking about are we creating our own diseases and what a topic. So I'm excited to bring this topic to you. Our sponsors for today are Phoenix Identity, which just happens to be my own company. I want to offer you the chance to have a clarity session with me for $97. If you use clarity one as your coupon code, and what the Clarity Session does is it helps you to feel less stressed, more like yourself, more in control, and a little bit happier. <laughs> but happiness is subjective, so it depends on your mindset. So check that out, link in the description. Um, again, we're going to be talking about are we creating our own diseases? And to do that is our guest host, Loretta Ferrucci. And I hope I said that properly. You absolutely did. Good. How about you introduce yourself? Let everybody know who you are. Sure. So um, thanks, Melissa. Thank you for having me. I'm really privileged to be here. My name is Loretta Ferrucci. I am a registered homeopath living on the east coast of South Africa. Um, I was in private practice for about 25 years, and then I closed my practice um, because I was moving more into group coaching kind of work. My interest has always been on the mind, body, energy connection. I've always had an overriding um, interest in energy medicine have studied a number of those modalities and I currently work online as a health and wellness coach my area of speciality is uncovering the our unconscious agendas behind our diseases so we can really shift those signs and symptoms absolutely I love that and thank you for joining us today so I am a lot of our viewers whether you're spiritual or not there is still correlation to what we're talking about so you don't have to be spiritual you can agree or disagree with whatever it is that we're saying today. Hop in the comments. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you understand the correlation or if you agree with it or disagree. There's nothing wrong with either one. There is no right or wrong answer. If anybody is watching and you'd like to be a guest of the show, please reach out to me at justalivetv.com um, as well as like and follow us and join our newsletter. All right. So I wanted to jump in really quickly and <clears throat> sorry again, disease, since we're talking about it, of course, I'm a spiritual teacher. So I know that not most things are related. Um, and mm -hmm. just as we started talking, I started to get a really strong pain behind my eye. And that's a cluster headache usually caused by stress. Um, and so science has actually showed us what like, again, whether you're spiritual or not, science has actually proven that we are made up of energy right? We have a physical energy that powers our body. And there are certain things that we do to keep that physical energy healthy. Now, our mindset, our emotions, because our emotions are directly related to our mindset and our beliefs and what we believe about ourselves, other people, our life, and what we allow to create that emotion. So if our mindset creates our emotions, if we are emotionally unhappy in one area or another, that will affect our energy. It will impact our energy on a daily basis. Now, when that's left untreated or unprocessed, in my case, um, what ends up happening is we create different physical manifestations of what we're going through. Now, not every disease, in my personal opinion, and Loretta can tell me if she agrees or disagrees, um, in my personal opinion, I don't believe that every disease or every um, manifestation that we have in our physical body is directly related. There are things that we are just meant to experience. Um, and I don't think everybody just kind of manifests that in that way. But I do agree if you're stressed out and anybody watching, I challenge you to, to, to question this about yourself is if you're sitting there and you're stressed about anything and you continue to sit in that stress how many different things is your body showing you about that stress right how many the headaches the aches and pains the um fatigue all of the things right that we're that we're experiencing with that stress that's a sign that we're stressed right and that's our body's way of saying hey you need to deal with this mm -hmm. so what are your what are your thoughts um, so 
I think I mostly disagree with, disagree. I mostly agree with everything you've said. The way I look at it is this, is that we've only got one of two choices. We can either believe that it's organized, that we live in, a, in an organized kind of universe where there are certain laws, even chaos is, has a certain organization to it, or we can believe that it's random. If it's random, basically, then it's all just it's all just up to chance all right so you know if you've got you've got if you've got bum genes it's random if you uh if you if one person gets a tumor and another person gets a cold well it's random. so there's not really much we can do about it if we believe that it's random i tend to believe that it's organized and so because it's organized everything around us is essentially giving us feedback and your body is the one part of you that is always in the present moment it's never in the future it's never in the past so you may have been healthier 10 years ago but you are what you are right now. You know, you may have been fatter six months ago, but you are the way you are right now. And so your, I believe that our physical bodies are our signs. And we have to be careful about saying about, about when we, about the meaning of we create our disease, because for many people, that sounds like we're implying that it's conscious. So, you know, like if you've got a really serious, if you've got Parkinson's or you've had a stroke or you've got a tumor, it's like um, you create your disease almost, this is just my perception, infers that it's like your fault. It's like, you know, you did it on purpose. But the truth is that um, I also believe that the body is a self-healing, the, the being. And when I say the body, I'm including the mind and the emotions, right? Because, you know, you have the thoughts with your brain. You generate emotions based on what you're thinking. Those emotions are all essentially cause release of chemicals. Those chemicals go to all your cells. So, you know, it, it, when I talk about the body, I'm not just talking about this physical thing, right? Um, so basically, your, your body is feeding back to you constantly what's going on in your unconscious mind so it's not that you consciously create it it's that most of that creation is unconscious so you don't know what's going on in your unconscious or your subconscious because you have difficulty accessing that and so your body is a way for you to recognize that maybe you're not living as congruently with what's important to you as what you think you are um, or maybe you have limiting beliefs that you don't even know you have because they're unconsciously driving you, or you have habits and behaviors that contribute to you being unwell, um, but those habits and behaviors are being driven by certain unconscious agendas. And so, so of course, our habits, sort of our health, you know, health is not rocket science. You know, eat whole foods, eat, as, eat lots of plants, not don't eat any animals, that's what I'm saying, Just eat mostly plants, whole food, drink enough water, regulate your stress, have good relationships, move your body regularly. It's not actually that difficult. So many of us don't do all of those things. And so if my interest is, why do we not? Why would we not nourish ourselves optimally? Well, because if you've got a limiting belief, for example, I'm just using that as an example of not being worthy. If you believe that you're not worthy, and you've got to spend your whole life compensating for that or hiding that or pretending that it's not even there because you don't even know that that's what's 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 running your habits then why would you feed yourself really well because quite frankly if you're undeserving and unworthy you're not going to expend any time effort or energy truly looking after yourself whether that is resting when you're exhausted or eating nutritious food or getting enough sunshine you know so so we place, we have obstacles to wellness that are things like, uh, you know, we eat too many processed foods or whatever. We stress, we work too much, we exercise too much, we don't exercise enough. There's so many prescriptions, but basically those obstacles, the question is, why do we choose those? Why? Why is, why is that our default setting? And, and so, so that we, we've got to get away from this punitive, I believe, this sort of punitive idea that, well, you know, you ate, you ate junk, so now you're paying for it. You know, on one hand, maybe that's true, but I think the question is, why would you not want to feed yourself well? Whatever feed yourself well means for you. You know, these days, I mean, everyone's trying to tell you how to do it. So why would you not listen to your intuition and actually eat, for example, what's going to nourish you optimally? There's a reason why that is happening. There is a reason behind all your choices. And a lot of that is unconscious. 
We're not conscious of it. So if you have a tumor, I do believe that you have contributed to the creation of it, but never consciously. Nobody goes, oh, I don't want my husband to leave me. I think I'm just going to manifest a breast tumor. You know, nobody does that consciously. But unconsciously, you may, for example, have a stressful relationship. You may be terrified of the insecurity of being left alone. You may feel threatened that your spouse is going to leave you. But if you have a dread disease, maybe they'll stay. Now, nobody works that out cognitively. You know? nobody, we don't do that in a manipulative way. So we definitely, we create them. Um, and, but I think I prefer to think of it as it's feedback. It's like the universe, God, the angels, whatever your spiritual belief or non-spiritual belief is, feeding back to you that there's an agenda. There's an agenda behind this. So if you, for example, mentioned your cluster headache, if you're really stressed, if you get cluster headaches because you're stressed, you know, you, you maybe know that you've been working at your computer too much or you haven't slept well enough or you haven't been caring for yourself enough because you've been caring for your family, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, and you get a really bad headache and then you cannot work. You're forced to rest, right? So that's part of the agenda. That's the only way that you feel that it's okay to take time off. So in order to have time off, you have to suffer also. I'd like to say, well, if you work out that that's the pattern, then can you ask yourself, how can I take the time off without having to have the pain? Because actually that would be a whole lot better, right? But sometimes we can't take the time off because we're addicted to the idea that we always have to be busy, for example, right? That is what the compulsion is that's driving us. And when we can uncover those, it's like unraveling a ball of yarn. When we can uncover that, then you can make different choices. You can choose differently for yourself. And when you choose differently for yourself, you end up having different outcomes. I wholeheartedly and completely agree. And when I say, so to go back a minute, when I said that, you know, we, you can believe that you've created it or not created. And I 100% agree it's unconscious. All of the time, it is unconscious. You don't consciously want mm -hmm. to get sick, right? Um, no. But a part of it too is it's when I say it's not all created, it's, and that it's mm -hmm. sometimes we have to experience that is that comes from my spirituality, where I believe that we are here yeah. to experience and we're here to experience negativity. Because when we experience any mm -hmm. negative thing, sure. we create change. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you said, yeah. right? Is creating the change. Oh, I have headaches. Now I need to step away from my computer and I'm forcing myself to, to focus on myself. We as a society do not focus on ourselves. We don't put ourselves first. We don't make time to do the mental, emotional, all of the well-being and all of the different aspects of our lives mm -hmm. and we lose touch with who we are mm -hmm. and I'll, that creates that inconsistency right and I wanted to say so I am a mindset expert I'm an identity expert um, and there is not a single person in this world well there might be <laughs> there might be <laughs> but almost all of us have a level of unworthiness all of us because of society, sure. because of peer pressure, our parents, the way we grew up, every single one of us experiences unworthiness. If we had unconditional love mm -hmm. all the time, every day, our lives would look completely different, right? Um, yeah. And that's one of the things I've mastered is unconditional love for myself and for others. Now, mm -hmm. I'm going to be going into that in, in another episode, but unconditional love is loving yourself regardless right loving yourself and putting yourself yeah. first right you don't have mm. to like everything about yourself but you have to love for sure right yeah. and so mm -hmm. that unworthiness it does show up in everything right um you mentioned my cluster headache I didn't sleep very well last night I had a horrifying dream and it was emotionally draining. I woke up feeling heartbroken and just discouraged and emotionally damaged. Um, and it was, it was quite the dream. But I know that during the moon cycles, because I'm very, I'm very intuitive and very empathic, that the energy of the moon cycles mm. changes for me. And just about mm. every cycle of the moon, especially the new moon, I tend to have very realistic traumatic dreams. 
and mm. it just some, and it normally it's because I'm stressed. And so, yeah. you know, subconsciously, unconsciously, when you're awake, when you're sleeping, we are getting little signs of things that we need to do for our own health, right? And for our own well-being. Mm -hmm. And when you don't do that, you do create. Now, for somebody like me, um, I did an episode, uh, or not an episode, I did a free recording that I'll be sharing in the next uh, few days, where I was absolutely down. I was feeling horrible. And part of it was not vocalizing what I needed to vocalize. I wasn't, wasn't using my voice and speaking of what I needed. Mm -hmm. And I got mm -hmm. really upset, really down. And once I vocalized it and changed it, it made all the difference. I felt healthy again. Yep. I felt good about myself. I felt good about where I was going and what I was doing. And I was capable of moving forward. Mm -hmm. But when you're not in the right mindset or the right headspace, you do create a lot of issues for yourself, not just diseases, though. I know we're specifically talking about diseases today, but even just to segue and sidetrack there for a second is if you're not happy in an area of your life, that's going to impact other areas of your life, right? If you're not happy with yourself, you make decisions that aren't healthy for you. And mm. disease is the same thing. If you feel unworthy, like you said, you're going to do things that aren't honoring yourself or honoring your body or honoring your relationship or your career or your business. You're going mm. to say stagnant and stale. And you think about absolutely everything, any physical or, or environmental thing, even a plant, if you leave a plant and you don't nourish that plant, it's not going to remain healthy. It's not going to grow. It's not going to remain strong. It's just going to sit there and eventually it's going to wither and die. That's okay. what we do with our bodies. Unconsciously, that's what we do. And um, hurting, your, hurting yourself in any way, sprains, uh, strains, breaking a bone, you know, any of those things, any physical thing that we have is literally a response something that we need to change it's it's a nudge not a response but it's, it's a nudge going hey <laughs> you need to change you need to change something else or something is out of whack or something is out of alignment so interestingly enough in oriental medicine accidents as you just said sprains strains motor car accidents you know you know you know you can have a motor vehicle accident someone can have a fractured pelvis a fractured thigh a brain injury and the other person walks out of the accident with like a couple of scrapes and bruises right um so even the place in which you get injured is never random because there are all these energetic so in in chinese medicine for example if you've ever looked at a chinese medicine chart you know there's all these lines with the little points on and the points are the acupuncture points right and so the lines are uh, the meridians that are related to the organs. So I think of it as your organ is like a little electric substation and there's a cable that runs into it and then there's a cable that runs out of it and the cable has a route through your body. And so you can have an injury somewhere along the route of the cable that's an indicator that there's a problem with that organ, for example. Okay, so um, I'm just picking something like your hip, your gallbladder meridian runs through your hip. So very often, and I'm not, please, I'm not saying all people with hip problems have gallbladder problems. That's not what I'm saying at all, because you can't really do a painting by numbers thing. But it, it's really interesting that the areas in which you get injured, usually you can trace them back to a particular organ function energy that is governing a particular process in your body that may not seem, so for example, um, I mean, this is a stupid example, but so let's just say that your that your gallbladder is unwell. Oh, it's actually not such a stupid example. If you eat a lot of sugar, you know, if you have excessive, people tend to think that excessive sugar consumption gives you diabetes and, you know, weight gain, and it does all of that. It can. But in actual fact, your gallbladder is particularly sensitive to how much sugar you eat. So um, if you uh, eat a lot of sugar, let's just say your diet is very high in sugar, you sprain your ankle, it's the outer part of your ankle that's really swollen and hurt. That's actually where your gallbladder meridian runs down before it runs into your toes. Um, it's, you have a pain in your hip as well at the same time. It can be the opposite hip or the same hip. And in actual fact, when you trace that back, it's because your gallbladder, and not necessarily the physical gallbladder, but it can just be energetically in the gallbladder, is imbalanced. 
And so that in, in a Chinese medicine doctor would give you acupuncture for your gallbladder and for your ankle, but for your gallbladder also. So there are all these intrinsic energetic links within the body. And when you, under, when you I mean, I, please, I don't, I don't speak the language of energy with huge fluency, but I, I mean, I do understand it a bit. And um, even the bit that I understand, the little bit that I know about it is that it's, it's always amazing to me how you can trace things back. So some things are really obvious, like um, uh, tonsillitis very often, you know, it's your throat, it's congested, you can't speak, you're not speaking your truth, it's associated with congestion in your throat, but your tonsils are part of your lymphatic system, and in actual fact, your liver is a huge lymph gland. So, um, and you know, your liver is your organ of anger and frustration and resentment. So it makes sense that if your liver organ function energy is not good and you're not articulating because you are so pissed off, but you're actually suppressing everything, then uh, you could get tonsillitis as a consequence of that. And so that's the beauty of um, understanding that it's more than just a diagnosis. You know, it's, it's, a, it's tonsillitis. We treat your tonsils. Um, your tonsils are the part that is giving us the message. And if you understand what the connections are between your tonsils, your lymphatic system, your liver, for example, how you're detoxifying, not detoxifying, then you can actually work on, from a physical point of view even, um, you, you'd work on a completely different area. So when I was in practice, especially when I was younger and my child was really young, I saw lots of little children. So you know how it is when your baby's small, you hang out with moms in moms and tots groups and you know prenatal and antenatal. And so those are the kind of people that you get to know. And um, so lots and lots of children with tonsillitis and um, almost all of them, they didn't have liver disease. I mean, if you sent them for a liver function test, they'd come back normal. But if they had a chronic, if they had repeated tonsillitis and the parents were trying to prevent them from having to have their tonsils removed, um, if you only treat the tonsils, you're only going to get a palliative care. So they'll get better, but they'll get tonsillitis again. But if you, and if you treat the tonsils and you treat the whole lymphatic system, then there's a good chance that they're going to have it more frequently. But if you treat the tonsils and the lymphatics and the liver, which are all actually, I always used to say to my patients, that the tonsils are like the street sweepers and the liver is like the recycling plant. So, you know, if your street sweepers aren't cleaning the garbage effectively, or if there's too much garbage on the streets, then the recycling plant is not going to be able to cope with it. So, um, so when, you, when you treat on that kind of level, that's when you really start becoming able to, when I say cure, you can stop things from recurring in those kind of patterns. And of course, as if, you're an, if you're an adult, then we can say, okay, well, you know, if you've got a lot of frustration or you've got a lot of disappointment, why? Possibly because you're putting every, you have expectations of other people that they can't fulfill, but maybe it's because you're not articulating from them what it is that you expect. Maybe you're not even clear with yourself about what you expect for yourself. So it's always, um, it's always a route for you to do that inner exploration. And it's not so that you can beat yourself up because you're such a bad person because you know, you're not coping with your frustration which that's why your liver function is not great. It's not that, it's just feedback. It's not punishment, it's feedback. It's like a GPS. You're traveling on the road the GPS says you've made a wrong turn, you have to recalculate. So your body is like a massive GPS. If it's painful, or if there's something happening in it that is not functioning effectively, or if there's, you know, there's some sort of, just, you know, like you've got vertigo or whatever, whatever it is, anything from bladder pain to gastro to tonsillitis to, I don't know, something really serious like a tumor. It literally is the GPS saying, you've taken the wrong turn. We need to recalculate. So, you know, you need to, you need to go, okay, well, I've taken the wrong turn. And maybe you have to pull off the side of the road. Maybe you have to spend a bit of time there. Maybe you have to change your plans because you can't get to where you want to go because you need to recalculate. It's, it's, it's never, in my opinion, it's never, um, you know, you've messed it up. You took the wrong off ramp, off ramp. It's too late. You're never going to get to where you're going to go. No, sometimes it's going to take a little bit longer. Sometimes you have to take a few more detours. But if you, if you look at it as feedback, then it's actually less anxiety provoking because instead of going like, oh my God, I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, you know, what if this is something serious? You might just go, well, actually, I wonder what this means. So I often say to people who are religious, for example, you know, if you pray, please God, take the symptom away. If the symptom is trying to give you a message, it's very difficult for that prayer to be answered. But if your prayer is, dear God, please help me understand why I have the symptom. Now that's a prayer that's actually 
more answerable, you know, and that's that sort of comes back to then you become a co-creator in that reality of yourself, you know, whether you whether you have a spiritual belief or don't. I mean, I'm just using that as a sort of a Christian analogy um, because it's one that many people can relate to. So it's just a GPS. It's telling you that something is off. And that, uh, and, and the thing is that in the, in the beginning, it's, it's soft, you know, it's, it's like minor things. So when I say minor things, you know, you have minor aches and pains, but as you say, when you ignore it, when you don't deal with it, then the whisper has to get a bit louder. And, you know, eventually in some time, some cases, the whisper has to become a scream uh, before we really take notice of that and a lot of people are reluctant to do that sort of inner work well certainly that was my experience when I was in practice because that seems really hard to them so but my, my, my counter to that is well how hard is it to feel unwell and to not have vitality and to not feel good in your body and to not be able to do the things you do that's also hard so you know which hard would you like to choose because you're not going to have easy if you don't do the inner work. It's not like if you don't do the inner work, there's an easy way. In fact, there's never an easy way. There's just a way. So you get to pick which way it is that you would prefer to go. Yeah. I have a PDF called Stop Your Stress Before It Stops You. And that's exactly what it is. I've interviewed um, or pre-screened uh, quite a few people who have had life-threatening diagnoses. Mm -hmm. And with every single one that I've talked to, um, and that doesn't go for the worldwide because obviously I haven't talked to everybody in the world, but <laughs> a good majority of the people that I have talked to who have had life-threatening diagnoses, um, that diagnosis changed their entire outlook of life, uh, putting Absolutely. themselves first, enjoying mm -hmm. life, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of the time people forget we are here to live. We're not here to necessarily compete with everybody else. We're here to live and experience and enjoy mm. and find love and happiness. And that's, that's our purpose here. But at the same time, we do experience negativity. There's not a person in this world who, who is um, exempt from, from experiencing negative thoughts or, or traumas or situations at all. And it's learning how to process those, right? Um, the other thing you mentioned, energy work. I do, I do myself do energy work and it's fascinating. And I love that how you mentioned, you know, the Chinese medicine. I read Anatomy of the Spirit by Caroline Miss and mm. it was a, an amazing book. And that got me onto the medical correlation of spirituality yep. or, or our energetic being and, and our mm -hmm. medical diseases. And it, it is quite interesting. Also the chakra system, right? Because majority of the population has, has heard about the chakras. A lot yep. of the time, your chakras, depending on where they're situated, if you are having an issue in one of those areas, it can directly be related to your mental health in that area or your ability sure. to express, right? And I think a lot of people forget that your identity is unique, right? I can, I can turn around and say, oh, hey, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm all of these mm. things. Mm. Every, half the population can say that, Yeah. right? Um, we forget that we aren't in competition with the rest of the world. We are unique. There is nobody who is identical to me in yeah. every possible way. You can have identical twins and they still have different interests. They still still have different perceptions and ideas. They're still mm -hmm. not like identical in their mind and their energy, yeah. their yeah. physicality. Yes, but mm -hmm. that but that's where it lies, right? And mm -hmm. when we're not expressing or encouraging our unique identity, that does correlate to to disease, right? And unhappiness, mm -hmm. and you sure. know, fear and disability and all of that, right? Now. Absolutely. My, one of my children is a type one diabetic, mm -hmm. not type two, type one, um, mm -hmm. which means that all of a sudden her pancreas stopped working and yep. she was nine or just about nine when that happened. Mm -hmm. And do I say that, you know, she was energetically creating that? No, it isn't her fault that it was created, but yeah. from a spiritual standpoint, I know that that's something she needed to experience this lifetime. I do believe I'm a past life regressionist. So I do believe in multiple lifetimes. 
And I believe that that's one of the things she needed to learn now with her personality as the last three years of her being diabetic, her personality has shifted to where I see, okay, her having diabetes is going to help with that. And her diabetes mm. is going to help with that. Right. And yes. it's yep. her having diabetes is actually a benefit to her because it's going to help her with her mental health. It's going to help her with, you know, impulse control and, Absolutely. you know, not doing everything just because everybody else is doing it yep. and, you know, and self-love, right. Loving herself in spite of having, or regardless of having diabetes, yep. right. And mm -hmm. that's a lesson that she needed to learn. So I think that not only is it something that we need to, you know, change or process, but it's also something that we should be um, bringing awareness to that sometimes our illnesses are actually there for our benefit rather than, yeah. you know, yeah. So, I mean, I would go as far as to say that your illness is always there for your benefit. Okay. So, so what I mean by that is the illness is very, so it, it's difficult in children, especially like young children like yours, because you're like, okay, well, so how, what was the unconscious agenda there? Okay. So I'm not hundred percent sure of that answer, but I tend to think that it's sometimes that is like a, I want to say it's a past life carryover. So in other words, it's not something that just comes from the current nine years, her current, like her nine years before she gets it. And yes, you're quite right. It may well be because it serves a greater purpose. But quite frankly, I believe that all disease does that. And when I say that all disease benefits us is that essentially, you know, we live in a dualistic universe, right? Where it looks like things are polarized into black and white, but we know that black and white are just opposite parts of the same kind of continuum right so you have happy and sad come together as a package and you know good and evil come to you know we can't appreciate good if we haven't got an appreciation of evil for example so you need both we've got both in this dualistic universe that we live in and so when we have disease um, and particularly if it causes us pain and discomfort which almost all disease does that's the downside right the downside is you have these symptoms that actually are not great so in your daughter's case the downside of the diabetes is that, you know, she has to inject herself. She has to watch her insulin. You've got to you know, make sure that she doesn't go into a diabetic coma. Her, her glucose can't drop too low. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's anxiety. There's a lot of care that's got to go around that. She's got to be careful about what she eats. And so that's the downside, right? Um, the upside is that, as you were just saying, all those benefits that you can see for her, you know, where she learns to truly care for herself. She becomes very aware of she becomes very aware of her body because she has to monitor her body actually quite closely so she probably has much more of an awareness when her body's out of whack than your average 12 year old has who doesn't have um you know diabetes all right or any other kind of disease so when we have um when when, when whenever i deal with someone who's got a, an illness a chronic illness the first thing i tell them to do is go make a list of 100 ways this disease benefits your body and they like look at me like I go, what hundred ways benefits there are no benefits I go, no the fact of the matter is that in order for you to have all this downside there's got to be an equal and opposite upside and if you can find what the illness is forcing you to do be and have and what that is how that's benefiting you so if for example you suffer from migraine headaches so when you have a migraine I think you call them migraines in Canada we call them migraines um if you have a migraine you, you know, you got to go into a dark room, you got to shut the door, you, you, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not working, you're not cooking, you're not thinking about your shopping list, you're not doing your kids homework, you're basically taking a migraine pack and you lying still in a dark room because you're feeling absolutely bloody awful and you actually can't function. So, um, you know, what's the benefit of that? Well, the benefit of that is, are you getting a rest? Yeah. Do you have to deal with your daily chores? No. Who's doing it for you? Maybe your husband steps in, maybe your mother steps in, maybe your best friend steps in, maybe, I don't know. Um, do you get complete time out? Yes. Do they leave you alone? Yes. Does anybody make a demand on you when you're lying in the dark room with the door closed and the, you know, the a thing on your eyes and the cool compress and you're just like, no. So do you get like complete alone time? Yes. Well, is that beneficial for you? Well, maybe it is. So those are the kind of benefits we always get. And if we catalog those benefits, we actually become less resentful of the symptoms. That's the first thing, because we see that it's actually serving us. It doesn't make it a good thing. 
it just makes it a neutral thing, right? So we can see that, yes, there's, there's a huge pain in the ass component to having this, but there's actually, I can see how this is benefiting me. And when we do that, what actually happens is that resistance that we, 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 we often have in our nerves, you know, when we're not well, we either become anxious or we become resentful. Why do I have to be, why do I have the flu? Why do I have to stay in bed? I'm so frustrated. I'm so bored. I've got so many things to do. I don't have time to get sick. That um, activates your sympathetic nervous system, which essentially activates your fight or flight mechanism, which basically compromises your immune system. So it takes longer for you to get better. Whereas when you can, when you can go, well, look, I'm not enjoying the flu. I'm really not enjoying the fever and the body pain, and I'm not enjoying lying in bed. And this actually sucks. Okay. It sucks. What are you getting? What is the benefit? Well, the benefit is I don't have to do X, Y, and Z. Whatever it is that I'd like to do that I can't do today, I can't do that. Maybe, as I said, someone becomes more caring. Maybe a friend comes and drops off the soup. Maybe someone brings you a book. Maybe your husband is or your wife is kinder. I don't know. There's always a correlating benefit. And when you can see that, it doesn't make the, the experience positive. But what it does do is it takes that pressure off your sympathetic nervous system. You're more able to almost surrender to the process. And that allows your immune system to work more effectively. So you, you, know, you, it, you regenerate more quickly and you actually in, enhance your ability to get better. Also, if you've got a more chronic disease and you can find like, you know, what is, the, what is my agenda here? Like, what is the unconscious agenda here? What, is, what need is being met by this illness? that I somehow feel I can't get met any other way, because that very often is what happens. Then the question is, okay, so if this is allowing me to meet a need, well, how can I get that need met without having to be ill? So, you know, do I have to have a migraine in order to have a day off? No, maybe what I can do is I can arrange it that, you know, especially if you've got little children, you know, that's the kind of your time in your life where things are really hectic, you know, because you've got your kids and your family and your job and, you, you know, if, I remember that. So, so could you twice a month have an afternoon off where, I don't know, you left your kids with the granny and you went to the spa and had a facial or would you just went for a walk on the beach on your own or whatever it is that did it for you? Well, maybe you could do that. And maybe if you did do that, now you were getting a need met. So now you don't have to lie in a dark room having a migraine in all. saying it's neutral it's it has its downside for sure but in actual fact if you can find the upside you actually help your physiology to to do you activate your parasympathetic nervous system which is the part that's healing you dial down your sympathetic nervous system which is the part that's resisting and you enable your body to actually heal itself more naturally so yeah it's hard most people go, I can't find five benefits. You know, no, look, I'm going to help you find a hundred. <laughs> you know what? And a lot of it has to do with, it's not turning it into a positive per se. And I love that you mentioned no. that. It's just changing your perception of it. Instead That's of thinking it's happening to me, how is this happening for me? Right? Absolutely. And that's not just physical pain either. That is trauma. That is events or situations that are traumatic in nature or that have a negative uh, indentation in your, in your life where it's like, okay, how can I look at this differently, right? Because the way we perceive something, our perception of something is how we react to it, right? Emotional. So when you think of emotions, emotions are literally just a reaction. They're not, they're, they're nothing more than an instant reaction to something. And that reaction is completely and utterly based on your thought processes. Yep. So if you have a traumatic situation and your thought process says, okay, this is horrible, you're going to have a negative reaction to this. Now, obviously, the situation is negative. I, I, I'm not saying it's not. We're not trying to change it into a positive. And, you know, I don't wish negativity on anybody. But for me, I coined the term many years ago that negativity is the catalyst to positive growth because it is. If you have a Absolutely. negative situation and you automatically react to it with a negative mm -hmm. emotion, 
you're going to sit in that space. You're going to sit in that emotion, right? For somebody like me, what I teach my own clients is, okay, what is the emotion that you're feeling? Well, yeah. it's negative. Okay. So, but accept it. You need to accept mm. that you're feeling this, right? Because mm -hmm. that's the first step. So accept that you're feeling the negative emotion and say, okay, well, why am I feeling this way? What, what mm. belief is creating this emotion and how mm. can I transmute it, right? When mm. you can transmute that emotion and change your perception of it, you now remove the emotion, right? Sure. And now instead, right. of, now instead of emotionally react, reacting, you can mm. logically respond and say, okay, this sucks. Absolutely, it sucks but this is making me stronger or this is making me smarter or this is making me now realize that I need to put myself first and take, you know, 15 minutes out of every day to go relax or yeah. remove the screen time or have quiet time. This is my way of expressing to my family and friends that I need help. I need this or I need that to, to mm. properly function, right? And that is one of the biggest things that I find with, with disease and illness is we're not expressing what we need. We're not communicating who we are, sorry, expressing who we are, communicating what we need, asking for help when we need help without the expectations. It, it opens us up to something completely different. Yeah. When we Absolutely. actually accept and say, okay, this shitty thing is happening, but how can I change it? Yeah. So very often, so I 100% concur. So when we get ill, our first reaction is that it's negative and it sucks. So as you say, we're not trying to turn it into a positive, but you know, so when you, when something comes into your perception and you, and you, and you see it as challenging, it activates your sympathetic nervous system. When something comes into your perception and you, you perceive it as being supporting, it activates your parasympathetic nervous system. So your sympathetic nervous system is necessary for you to be alert. It gets you to meet deadlines. It gets you to be on time. It gets you to get shit done. That's what your sympathetic nervous system is for. And your parasympathetic nervous system is there to help you digest. It is associated with all secretions. So your are governed and controlled by your they stimulated by parasympathetic activation some of your hormones like your stress hormones are activated through your sympathetic nervous system but just by and large your parasympathetic nervous system is actually producing all your digestive enzymes it's producing your neurotransmitters it's producing your hormones and so you and your parasympathetic nervous system is is producing your relaxation response now that doesn't mean your parasympathetic is good and your sympathetic is bad because if you too much in your parasympathetic then you become lethargic, exhausted, um, you know, waterlogged. You don't want to move. Um, you know, you, you, you've become extremely sedentary. So what you want is you want those two parts of your autonomic nervous system, which runs your entire physiology, you want them to operate the way they're supposed to. You want them to operate in tandem as partners. And so when you are only seeing disease or signs or symptoms as negative, what you're doing is you're activating your sympathetic nervous system and you're creating what we call sympathetic dominance. And that's what leads to the stress and the overwhelm and the burnout. So if you can, as you say, sit back and go, you know, this is not an obstacle, it's a stepping stone. What is it potentially a stepping stone to? Like, where am I not living congruently with what I want? Where am I not articulating my needs? Where am I not asking for help? Where am I not resting? All of that stuff. Where am I not nourishing myself? How am I not nourishing myself optimally? Then what you do is you, you, as I said, you dial down your sympathetic nervous system and you dial up your parasympathetic nervous system so that they can work together. And when that happens, then you get to a place where you have clarity because that's when you start taking the charged emotions out of the situation, exactly as you said. So now phys your physiology actually allows you to get to, your nervous system gets to a place where you can be clearer about what action you need to take in order to get yourself to not even what action you have to take you can give you clear what do you want like what would you love like what would you love instead of what you've currently got and what action can you take that's going to get you closer to that because you need to be clear for that that's the response right and so you, as you this is exactly what you sorry i'm just i'm just saying what you said i'm just putting that into like physical context you need to get your physiology to get to a place where those parts of your nervous system are operating congruently and in tandem, not one more active than the other. Because as soon as you get there, that's when you start getting clear. 
And, in, and you know, that's when you can really start seeing the benefits and not just the benefit. That's when you start seeing a way through. You start seeing a way through or around or over the obstacle. Because up until that point, all you're doing is resisting, resisting, resisting. So there's no clarity. And because there's no clarity, you can't have movement to what you want. So you keep on getting more of what you've got. And what you've got is making you damn miserable. But you don't want what you've got. But you don't want to actually see what you've got is actually giving you. You know, I don't even know if that made any sense. I love it. You get where, you get where I'm going with you, that, right? You just detailed out, like, my entire coaching practice. <laughs> that's, <laughs> because that's what I do. Right. That's literally, as an identity coach, that's what I teach my clients, is how to mm. remove the emotion and actually mm. gain that clarity. Take your power mm. back. It, we mm. say that we give everybody else our power. We give our emotions our power. That's yeah. what we're giving power to. And our emotions don't provide the clarity. That's why, you know, even in today's episode, you know, at where I sponsored it, right? Do you want to feel less stressed, more in control, more, yeah. you know, like yourself and more clarity? Mm. That's mm. literally what I do. And I, and I absolutely love it because it is, it's, it's removing the emotion and letting you see your way out of what you're feeling, right? It's giving you that. Go ahead. Can I just say one thing about yep. the emotions? So um, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, right? But, and, and so I, okay, so I've always been drawn to practices that can help you shift the emotion. But what I, what I learned was that, the, and this is the kind of person I am, and I know not everyone's like that, okay? So I would rather rationalize or like energize or do something. I was, I was, I was trying to, hmm, I wasn't allowing myself that thing that you said just now, accept that you have the emotion. So like your emotions, they, they are, they, they can never be wrong because they're your emotions, right? So you have generated emotion based on your perception. And so what I always used to want to do with myself and with everyone else is like re remove the, or like change the emotion as quickly as possible. What I've learned is again, we can't change it until we can just feel it. So part of that, like, you know, I am feeling sad. Um, before we go into why all the reasons why I shouldn't be sad, because actually I've got such a lot to be grateful for. I just go, well, you know what? It is what it is. My emotions cannot be wrong because they're my emotions and I'm feeling it. Okay, because I'm feeling it right now. So telling myself it's wrong is not helping me at this point. So, okay, I'm sad. Can I just sit here with sad for five minutes? Not for five hours. Can I just fully immerse myself in sad? Because I've learned in my, for me and, and what I've seen with my clients is that um, emotions are like waves of energy. So like waves, they roll in, you know, here they come. You had a perception, you've had a thought about it. This is not cool. You're not loving it. And the emotion comes in like the wave. And just like a wave, they peak and they break and they roll into the shore and then they recede. And they only do that if you acknowledge them and you allow yourself to feel them initially. I don't mean wallow in them for five years. I just mean feel it, okay? Yeah. So here I am, I'm sad. So I often ask people, where in your body? Like, where do you feel it? Because it's always, it's gotta be in your body somewhere, right? Like, it's in my chest. Can you describe it to me? Imagine I didn't know what that feels like. I don't know what sad feels like. What, what does it look like? If you were describing it, what does it look like? Well, it looks like a black hole. Okay, well, what does it feel like? Is it warm? Is it cold? Is it smooth? Is it jagged? The image doesn't matter. But what, when, they, when they describe it and they feel it, they're paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. And that allows the wave to break and to recede. Yep. And it's at that point that it becomes so much easier to shift the perception and the thought, which then actually generates a different emotion. So that was a part of my practice that was missing. The first I was step. so intent on, you, we, you know, we've got to change this negative emotion, like negative emotion is not good, because, you know, you can't, re, you can't respond, and, blah, blah, blah. and then I realized, actually, you know, feeling that negative emotion, it's that proverbial taking that deep breath, just feeling into it, describing it, seeing it, just sitting with it for five minutes, maybe 10 minutes, if it's very intense, you may have to sit with it for 15 or 20 minutes, until the wave recedes, and once the wave has receded, you go, okay, I see you, I acknowledge you, emotion, you know, I see you, I felt you now, I'm not going to try and fix you, but now I'm going to see what the gift is in that lopsided perception that I had. 
Yep. And I think that that's important because people very often, so for me, I used to think that because I'm quite an emotional person, I'm a half Italian, you know, quite emotional, um, that I'm really good with feeling my emotions. That brings a lot of bullshit. I am like the queen of suppressing my emotions. So it's either suppress, deny, uh, you know, or distract. Those are my three, my three go-tos, you know, you either pretend you're not having it, you absolutely deny you're not having it, or you do something so that you don't have to feel it. Um, and for me, just learning to be able to sit with it quietly for just a short period of time. And sometimes every day, maybe just sit with it for five minutes, not the whole day, just for five minutes, because you're actually providing like a space for it. That's part of the self-care. That's part of nurturing yourself. And that's part of allowing that emotion to be there so that ironically, it shifts much faster. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's, that's literally the first stage of, so I, again, another guide was embrace your positivity, right? And it was by embracing that emotion, right? Acknowledge mm. that's how you're feeling. You're feeling that yeah. for a reason you, you need yeah. to feel it. <clears throat> I did a whole rant, uh, or an episode, I should say on the positivity movement. I couldn't, st I couldn't stand the Ooh. positivity movement mm. because all that taught people was how to ignore push aside or deny it. And when you do that, that emotion doesn't go anywhere. That emotion, you're pushing it down. It ends up becoming a volcano, right? And then instead of having a very free flow of emotion, you now have this huge explosion that you have even more trouble processing and moving through. Your emotions are there for a reason. So it's, it's so important to feel that and encourage that and then acknowledge that. Um, I was ridiculed. I started my coaching practice five years ago and I was ridiculed and I was rejected because I talked about negativity because I wanted to focus on the negativity. What is it teaching you? How is it benefiting you? Right. And so finally it's now becoming more aware. Right. And I think COVID had a lot to do with that where, you know, you had no choice, but to face it. The other thing that I wanted to mention before we get going is, um, I always, it's, you know, there are times where, how you said we were, you know, the, the positive and the negative uh, congruently, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. There are times where one will be higher, one will be higher. And, and but again, that's just that spinning wheel, right? Mm -hmm. With that, the term high vibrational irritates me to no end. <laughs> me too. And the reason is, <laughs> is because you think about it, it doesn't matter what emotion you're facing, whether it's a negative emotion or positive emotion. If you yeah. are high vibrational and you are feeling an excess of that emotion, it drains your energy, it drains your essence, it makes you fatigue, that is burnout waiting to happen. You yeah. need to be able to express the emotions. There are days where I need to just spend half of the day doing nothing, reading, um, watching mm. a show, just downtime, mm. right? Where mm. I'm not mm. high vibrational. I'm not excited. Yes. I'm not pumped up to be doing the show, yeah. right? Exactly. Um, yeah. Whatever right. that looks like, because if I'm mm. constantly go, 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 go and high vibrational, whether mm. that be a negative emotion or positive emotion, I am going yeah. to burn out. Okay. I am not honoring myself. Self-expression too. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was stopping your stress and and curbing disease is mm. knowing, again, one, acknowledging how you're feeling, but knowing how to work through it. Those emotions, we do need to learn how to express them, right? Or expel mm. them or allow mm. them to move on. And mm. a lot of the time it's through something else. It's through art therapy, music therapy. Mm. Uh, and I'm not talking therapy and not sit down and have a talk, uh, right? Sure. I'm talking about, you know, painting on a canvas, uh, going yeah. to a boxing match, going mm. to a gym, whatever it is that will help you calm the emotions. It's not removing mm. them. It's calming mm. them, mm. right? Mm. I, music is huge for me. When mm. I feel like I need to calm an emotion, I usually go for music. I'll go for a drive. You know, mm. I'll sit and watch some random show so that all I'm doing is calming the emotions so that I can logically process. Yeah. I go, okay, it's feeling down today. What do I need to focus on? So I calm yep. the emotion, right? Let myself feel it, calm the mm. emotion so that it's still aware, but now mm. it's not holding me hostage, right? Yeah. Because yeah, it's not that, overwhelming you. Yeah. Got you. And then you can start thinking, okay, so 
what do I need to learn from this, right? What's causing this emotion and how can I change it or process it so that it's not holding me here anymore? Yeah. And then, and then you work on that, right? And a lot of the times people don't understand what the correlation is between the mindset, the emotion and the physical issue. They, they mm. don't know how to, um, what mm. am I called? The connect the dots. Everybody calls yeah, yeah. me connect the daughter because mm. you give me your symptoms, your mindset. I ask you a multitude of questions and then it's okay. I think this is connected to this and this is connected to this. Where did this come from? Mm. Right. And, and just giving that clarity. Mm. Not a lot of people mm. know how to put that together. No, that's the one beauty about oriental medicine. So I studied acupuncture and then uh, that's right in the beginning when I was studying to be a homeopath. And then, um, then I discovered a therapy called Junshin Jitsu, which is a traditional Japanese. It's, it's basically a Japanese philosophy of life, which of course, you know, as above, so below. And so it is, you can directly, it's correlated to your physiology. Um, and, and, and in Ayurvedic medicine, it's very similar. So, so even though the, those, those, you know, so Chinese medicine was in China, Japanese medicine was in Japan and Indian medicine was in India. And, you know, they didn't have the internet and they also didn't have jet airliners at the time at these. So travel was very slow. So it's not like, you know, the Chinese all went and taught the Japanese that these systems developed essentially in isolation. And then there was the sort of cross pollinating. And it's only in Western medicine that we separate the emotional and the physical and the spiritual. So in any kind of traditional medicine, in any Aboriginal culture, the, the shaman was the doctor and the priest and the therapist, the psychotherapist, all right? And so if you, if you, so because of that, because of my early learning of Chinese medicine, you know, in Chinese medicine, there are cycles that the organs nourish and support one another. So I, that's how I learned what was going on with people because very often patients would come to see me and they, they'd already had all the tests, right? So they had all the blood tests, they had the scans and essentially, they were okay according to that that they didn't have they couldn't find a diagnosis they didn't feel well and so i found that that, that chinese med, the, the chinese way of diagnosing they called it the shen and the ku cycle was really useful but was even more useful was knowing that the stomach and the spleen and the pancreas form a unit the stomach is the one that's associated with thinking and processing the spleen is associated with feeling you know, the liver, the emotion of the liver is anger and resentment and frustration. It goes together with the gallbladder. The kidney and the bladder is unconscious fear. But, um, when, you, when, when, you, when you learn medicine in that way, it, you, it, it's already, they've already joined the dots for you. It's really what I'm trying to say. So again, it's like the meridians, you know, the pain in your ankle is on your gallbladder meridian. That doesn't mean it's your gallbladder. It could be because there's not enough chi coming from your from your kidney to supply your gallbladder because there's a cycle. There's a cycle in which they nourish one another. And so in those traditional ancient systems of medicine, they already they the dots were already joined. It's just that you know we in our, when we became sort of more um, what's the word? Uh, I want to say not materialistic is not the word. Uh, mechanistic when our, our systems of medicine have become so mechanistic that we've essentially taken the holism out of it. And we've, be, we've started focusing on little areas. And so now we can't connect the dots any longer. And so little things, you know, just knowing the, so, sorry, and so in Junshin Jitsu, for example, all the organ, those organ couples and their related emotions are reflected on the hands and the fingers. So just being able to say, and this works particularly well with children because they respond to it so well because they, they just have such trust that, you know, if I said my five-year-old patient, you need to hold this finger. Every time you're in the car with your mom, I want you to hold this finger. When you're watching TV, I want you to hold this finger. Can you do that? Yes, I can. And then they come back two weeks and say, Did you, this finger, I've been holding this finger, right? Because um, just the action of holding the finger with intention, if you know what it is that you're doing, bladder and kidney and unconscious fear here, for example, that is going to affect the energy of your body. And so some of these systems, are, the application is so simple that the understanding is a little bit more complex, but the application is so simple and it becomes so, so simple to join the dots. And they're such easy energy hacks. Um, but everything literally is related to everything else. And if you understand the correlation between the hormones, the hormones, I always call them hormones, the emotions, not the hormones, the emotions and the organ function energies. And then things like, you know, each sense organ has an underlying organ function energy that is its, pro its predominant governor, like the eyes are governed by the liver and the 
ears are governed by the kidney, for example, then you can start, you can really, you can really start joining the dots in the body quite e easily because suddenly it just, it's like, it opens up a whole new doorway. And, you know, then you can put the emotions together and you can put like, why is my body feeling like this? Oh, well, it's because of this emotion. And the other thing I actually went off on a tangent, what I really wanted to say was if we suppress those emotions, as you say, we either become emotionally incredibly volatile over periods, you know, we, we calm and then poof, volcano, or it doesn't come out in your emotions, it comes out in a symptom, because it's trying to get your attention. And so most many of our symptoms are correlated to our suppressed, our um, denied and are distracted from emotions. So, I mean, that part of, as you, that first step is that is the crucial, it's crucial, it's really crucial. And if all we did was understood that if we felt our feelings fully at the time, we would take the pressure off our body and you decrease your risk of actually having to develop a symptom as a consequence of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I love how you said that you and I are so, other than the fact that you deal with specific like medicine, uh, I know you yeah. do a whole, um, mm. but I don't deal with medicine. Um, mm. Other than that, you and I are very sim similar in, in our, mm. in our mindset. And I love that mm. uh, for my own clients, majority of my own clients, cause I, cause I deal with the mentality, energy mm -hmm. and spirituality as well and, and physicality, mm -hmm. but not, that's not the focal point of, of what I teach. Mm -hmm it is still related because you and I both know they're all related is the fact that 99% of my clients have already done the work. They've already tried doing all of the different things, but none of it's mm. truly working. And then they come to me and I mm. love it when my clients are at that last ditch stage where they've tried everything because then they're, they're, they're open to trying yeah. something different, right? They're open yeah. to listening yeah. and they're open to doing the work. And that's yeah. so needed when working with your identity, with working your mentality, you need yeah. to be open-minded. You need to be ready to say, I'm not living like this anymore. I'm willing yeah. to do what needs to be done. For sure. Right. And putting that, that isn't just a, that, that isn't just a, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, that's you putting yourself first for sure right it's not just doing yeah. the work it's valuing mm. yourself enough to know that you want to do it yeah right and that that i think is is one of the most important aspects but That's is there important. anything else you'd like to add before we go <laughs> um sure i don't really no i don't think so i, I think if i if you know I wrote an article for an online magazine and, and the, 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 um, the theme of the magazine, the, the theme for the month was simplicity. And I was thinking, okay, so, you know, if I was stranded, like imagine I was on a desert island and my mind was wiped, but I could only remember two things that I knew. Like I could only have two tools. The one is something that I call the feeling meditation is that ability to be able to sit with my feelings. And the other one is the Junshin Jitsu because that's the, not that Junshin Jitsu is the beginning and the end of it, but it's the energy, it's the form of energy medicine that I know how to practice on myself most effectively. So, um, you know, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to spend six years digging around in your psyche. It can actually be relatively simple if, as you say, you are open to trying something different. And then, my last thing I want to say is um, one of my favorite, one of my mentors, Dr. John Martini, has a quote that's like my favorite quote ever. And he said, the mind always lies. The body never does. That's why the creator put the clues in the body. So very often when we are, we're so focused on our mindset, we're focused on our spirituality and I'm not knocking any of that. I'm all for all of that. But you know, very often the body is like discarded. It's like, it's that least important vessel. Well, actually, that's where all the clues are, guys. So if you really want to access your spirituality fully, if you want to access your, if you want to have the, the most clarity of mind, um, you don't have to make your body the most important thing, but don't ignore it because it's got all the clues. It's like, a, it's like the Rosetta Stone. If you just know how to interpret it, it is a powerful messenger. Yeah, I completely agree. I I. I'm not even going to add to that because I, I agree with that so much. Um, all right. Well, I, I don't have anything I'd like to add other than the fact that 
you know, if, if you're feeling desperate, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you don't understand, but if you're ready to make a change, reach out, reach out to either myself or Loretta, find help. You know what I mean? I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't say everybody has to work with me. Never, never, because I don't want to work with everybody. But what I am saying is you can eliminate a lot of the time that it takes to figure these things out by finding somebody who knows how to do it and who can teach you how to do it for yourself. And that's, that's the biggest thing is that you're never wrong for asking for help. Now, you know, do we charge? Absolutely. We charge. We're, we're making a living, but at the same time, when your goal is to deal with your, your own mental health, emotional health, physical health, spiritual health, energetic health, they are all one and the same and finding a way to work through that you can do it a lot quicker when you have help. Trust me, yeah. a lot quicker. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, Loretta, for joining me today. I really appreciated thank your time. You. And I, I love this episode. Thank you. I loved it too. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really am privileged and humbled to have been here. Thank you. All right, just a family. That is your episode. Our sponsor today, Phoenix Identity. Go check them out if you want to feel less stressed, more like yourself more in control and a lot happier, you can do so through one of our clarity sessions, $97 with the coupon code clarity one, go and check that out link in the description. If you would like to reach out to either myself or Loretta, you can do so through the links in the description of this episode. If you would like to be a guest speaker on the show, or if you would like a topic featured, you can reach out to me on any one of our social media platforms at just alive TV, please like follow and share join our newsletter. And I'm Melissa Kretschler, your host, and I will see all of you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.